you have your Bibles, we're going to look at two passages of Scripture today. And uh, if you don't have a Bible Bible, if you're doing the Facebook thing, I want to, hey, encourage you. You can grab one online. It's called Version. It's free. It has different translations, and you can get whatever you need to get there from that. It's easy to use, easy to follow, has plans and all kinds of cool stuff. But you're going to be looking at John chapter 6 today and Exodus chapter 16. So we're going to look at John chapter 6, and they're going to part of, part of that and part of Exodus 16. So if you've got your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 6. Uh, we're going to begin with verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. The other boats from Tiberias came near to the place where they'd eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks, and when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went across to Capernaum, across the, the sea, Galilee, seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which is the Son of Man which will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then he said to them, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them and said, This is the work of God that you may believe in him who has, whom he has sent. So they said to him, well, what, what signs do you do that we may see and believe in you? What, what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them the bread of heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father that gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And he said to them, sir, give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not, but shall not <coughs> hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And as we read that passage of Scripture, I'm reminded of all the beautiful things that he said. And if you go on and read in chapter 6 there, you see that um, Jesus goes on and talks to them again. I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And in verse 43, we'll get to some of those a little more as we dig into that a little deeper. But I want you to consider things about Jesus being the bread of heaven. The I am the bread of heaven. I am the bread of life. I am the one that, that gives you meaning and purpose. So consider the person of heaven's bread this morning. The bread is a person. The bread of heaven is not a system. It's not a denomination. Uh, but is a person. For salvation comes through Jesus Christ alone. Paul writes the in Acts, or Luke does in Acts, and he reminds us, and there is salvation in no one else, but there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In days such as which we live, we're looking for meaning and purpose and hope. We're looking for something that has purpose and, and foundation and strength. Jesus Christ can be that for you. He wants to save you. He wants to touch your life in such a way. He's the bread of life. He is a person. But the bread of life also has power. The heavenly bread that is, has power to save, as the scripture just told us, it's safe and secure. It satisfies every sinner who comes to him in faith. God meets you wherever you are, however you are right now. No matter what you've done, 
no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're thinking, you'll never get good enough for God because he meets you where you are. So when I can, hey, man, I, when I get better, I'll start coming to church. When I, when I get my life together, I'll, I'll connect with God. No, he wants us to connect with him right now where we are. That bread of life has power, but the bread of life also has promise. Heaven's bread was given to all of, of humankind. You know, physical bread sustains us for long periods of time. You know, maybe some of us are, are finding that out a little bit here while we've been quarantined or out. You know, we've been eating more bread at our house. The Texas Roadhouse Rolls, I think, from the Rockport Van Group, they were pretty good. And then Jane made uh, a recipe, a knockoff recipe from uh, Lambert's Home of Throat Rolls. Yeah, only she only gave me two. Come on, guys, we need to talk to my wife. I need a little more than two. And they weren't even really hot when I got home. But, hey, they were still good, and they work. But it, those kinds of breads that we eat, they may fill us for a while. But Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. The body gets full of bread from here, but we still die. Even though it's been well fed, Jesus is the bread that gives everlasting life. And the price of that bread is simple. It must, we must, to enjoy it, receive what God has to offer. There's no cost to us but the price was immense. For God's only son died on the cross for your sins and mine. As we celebrated that last week at Easter, and we talked about the resurrection. As we move forward these weeks, understand that Jesus is alive today, that he is the bread of life. But here's what I want you to consider this morning is not only is it the person of heaven's bread, but consider how it was presented here in, in John chapter 6 when he says he's talking to the Israelites who have understood bread from various ways. Think about it. Whatever church background you come from, whatever religion you come from, bread plays an important role. Bread is essential to life as we know it in our world around. There's an illustration here of the miracle that, of when we consider heaven's bread. The first part, and I didn't read in John chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 13, uh, I hope you'll read that. That's the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, that Jesus presented himself as a type if you remember right, they're all hanging out, all the guys and gals are coming to listen, all the kids are coming up, and, and the Bible says there are 5,000 men, so there were much, much more there. I had the privilege of being in Israel at this very spot where they believed the, this took place because Tiberius and where all we were, I was at Capernaum, I was at Tiberius, I understood, I understood what it means here when the sea goes crazy. Uh, we've experienced some of that in this great plain of where Jesus fed the people. And as I saw that, I was reminded that when I read this passage, there is no place to go gather food. And so while they are there and, and Jesus is talking to Philip and he says, hey, how are we going to feed these guys? Oh, we don't have the money to do it. But hey, we got this little kid. He's got five loaves and two fish. I don't know what we can do with that. And Jesus says, watch the miracle. And you know the rest of the story. He blessed it. And there were 12 baskets left after everybody ate to the full. God did a miracle there. I always thought it was kind of funny when I read that in John 6. Like, hey, morons, you just missed the miracle two days ago, and Jesus just told you? But you know, we're like that too. We want to think that, oh, I wouldn't do that to Jesus. But Jesus does the same thing to meet our needs, and we blow him off just like they did here. Show us a miracle. Uh, two days ago, I fed you. What do we expect Jesus to do for us? You know, he was showing his care for the multitude. He's provided and satisfied them. Jesus, like the physical loaves and fishes, is sufficient for our need, every bit of our need. 
But it's not only illustrated by the miracle there in First John, but it's illustrated by the manna. And now we're going to flip over to Exodus 16. Uh, Exodus 16 is Moses, the children of Israel, who now come out of Egypt. They're entering in the desert. They're in the, the wilderness, and they're on their journey to the promised land. And they're hungry, and they're whining. You know, we had meat in our pots. We had leeks to eat. We, we had all these good things in Israel, and you brought us out here to die. And, and as they bellyache and whine, like we tend to do as well, Lord, I don't want to be stuck inside. Why are we stuck inside for till the end of May, to May now? Why, why can't we do this? Why? We feel like that a lot. Do we sound like the children of Israel? When the Jews came to Jesus to request a miracle, they just seen one, but they missed that point for some reason. They reminded Jesus of the Old Testament, mir- the Old Testament miracle of the manna that Moses had given the children of Israel. And they wanted to know what he was going to do about it. Listen to verses 30 and 33 uh, as we read from the Old Testament here. And here's where it comes nice and handy when you can go right here. You can just flip up in your little book uh, if you're doing this uh, electronically. And you can say, Exodus, oh yeah, and it's the Exodus chapter 6. And I can go right to verse 33 and I'm right here. Listen to what it says. And on the day the Lord, actually we'll start at 28. And on the day when the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, the Lord said to Moses, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh the king that I said to all of you. But Moses said, Lord, behold, I'm on the circumcised list. How will Pharaoh listen to me? And so as Pharaoh is listening to him, Aaron's going to speak for him. And so we, we find that Aaron now speaks. And now we go to Exodus 16. And as he begins to speak here, the bread of heaven. And so they set out from Elam and they... The congregation, all the people, they were whining because they were out of food. And the Lord tells him and tells the people, tells Moses in verse 4, Behold, I'm about to bring bread of, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And on the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, In the evening you shall go out and know it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because you have heard your grumbling. He's heard your grumbling before him. So what are you grumbling against us for? When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat and in the morning bread to the full because the Lord has heard your grumbling, what are we doing about it? Your grumbling is not against us but against the Lord. And so he told them all, as it goes on to say, and in the evening the quail came up, in verse 13, and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. And we'll pick up some more stuff with that. So heaven's bread is hanging out on the ground now. Notice the various ways that the manna speaks of Jesus here. In verse 14 it says, and when the dew had gone up, there was the face of the wilderness was a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Now, if you've seen frost on the ground, oh, well, forget the six, eight inches of snow we just had a couple days ago. Crazy weather, which we live here in Tarkio, Missouri. You missed out on that if you're not from our area. It was kind of fun. It was gone pretty quick. But we have frost. You've had frost. You know how white it looks? Well, this is what was happening in the wilderness, this white frost-like stuff. But it was a fine kind of powdery stuff. Manna speaks of Christ's humility, for he was born in a king's palace. It was small. He was born in a manger. He didn't bring the riches of heaven. He wasn't born, he was king of kings, lord of lords, but he wasn't born in the palace. He wasn't born to a rich family. He was born to the low of the low, a carpenter's son, a regular person just like you and me. 
but he lived a life just like you and me, except he never sinned. Manna wasn't just always small, but it was also white. Look at verse 31. Now the house of Israel called its name manna, for it was like colander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. When I read that, I'm reminded that it reminds me of the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born without sin. He lived a life without sin. He died as a sinless person, except when God put the sins of the world upon him. He who knew no sin became sin, as the Bible tells us, for my sins and your sins. He died for us. And we celebrated that this week. As he rose again last week, we were reminded of what he did on the cross for us. Also, it came in the evening. In Exodus 16, 14 says, And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness fine flake-like things, fine as frost on the ground. Jesus came to a world that was lost in spiritual darkness like night. And he gave them light. And he gave them life. As I read through it, it was also misunderstood. Verse 15, it says, And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to him, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Literally, manna in the Hebrew means, What is it? We think of it as the bread, which it was. The bread of life that God gave down to the children of Israel. Jesus was misunderstood by the very people he came to save. He's still misunderstood today. He's much more than a teacher, a prophet, a poor, unfortunate man that got himself killed. He is the Son of God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is your Savior if you choose to accept him and follow him. You see, he was sufficient for everyone, just like that manna. Look at verse 16 through 18 in Exodus 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You should take... An omar, and by the way, an omar is basically two quarts. According to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. So if you had a bunch of folks in your household, you took two quarts a person. There were only two of you, you took two quarts a person. And the Bible says, and the people of Israel did so, and they gathered some more and some less. So some people went out and tried to gather as much as they could get above and beyond what they should have. And others didn't have the strength to even gather the two quarts. But the Bible says, when they measured it with an omar, the two-quart measuring, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. Manna tells us that Jesus is the all-sufficient Savior. He meets the need of everyone's soul. Some folks go deep in the Christian life. They hang out with Jesus, and he becomes more than just a word to them. He becomes their very core of their being. Some folks choose to follow Jesus, accept him as their Lord and Savior, and then kind of hang out on the edges. They don't go very deep with him. They're babes in Christ. Now, wherever you find yourself, as long as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, it's sufficient to save your soul. But it's much more meaningful when you have that relationship with him. Now, you think about this, that God gave the Israelites, this manna and the quail, every day for 40 years while they were in the wilderness. 40 years. Um, I, as I was been listening to a lot of crazy music, you know, the stuff you go back to when you don't have anything to do when you're on time like this, good old pictures, look at old things like that. 
I uh, listened to some Keith Green. If some of you want to know who Keith Green is, go back and Google him. He died when he was 28 in an airplane crash. He was one of the top Christian artists uh, of the late 70s, I guess, in that time. Um, still has an effective ministry and things. But he wrote, that one of his albums was, So You Want to Go Back to Egypt? And in that song, I, I remember this. He talks about manna from heaven, and they're griping about the manna, and they talk about, oh, manna waffles, manna burgers, manna bagels, filet of manna, manna patty, bum manna bread. You know, all those kinds of things. It's a pretty funny song. But they were griping about it. Manna from heaven. So you want to go back to Egypt. Think about this. What a God we serve. Now, for 40 years they did that. Do you know how many... Somebody figured this out. For all you math people, you can figure out two quarts per person, how many people there were supposedly a guesstimate of the number of people that were in the wilderness. Somebody figured all this out. Here's what they came up with. There were approximately 240, 240 train boxcars, okay, boxcar on a train, full of manna per day for 40 years. Now, you think when the trains run and you watch all the coal in our neck of the woods being hauled up to Council Bluff, 240 boxes of manna, train loads, boxcars full of manna every day that was collected. What a mighty God we serve. We aren't even counting the quail. You guys that like quail, wouldn't it be great just to walk out and you're all over your feet and you just pick them up and there's your meat for the dinner for the night? Manna was sufficient for everyone, but it was also sweet to the taste, as Exodus tells us in 31 and 32. Now, the house of Israel called its name manna. They said it was like the colander seed, white, but its taste was like wafers made with honey. Manna found it when you ate it, it was sweet and satisfying. Just like when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, he is sweet and satisfying to our soul. He gives us meaning to life. Even in days such as today when our anxiety is up, which we don't know which way to turn, God is there for us. And that's why David encourages us in the Psalms. In Psalms 34, I think it's verse 6, he says, Taste and see the Lord is good. But here's something else about manna you may realize. It was kept to be passed on to others. In verse 32, Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded, that an Omar be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread for which I fed you in the wilderness, which I brought you out of Egypt. You know, if you read back earlier, if you, if you keep the, you can only get it for the day. And if you picked up more than an Omar and you tried to hoard it at night, the next morning it had worms and was nasty. Uh, scripture says, he only gave you enough manna for every day, just each day he met your needs. Yet he says, here's an Omar that's going to last. Now, if I ask you the trivia question, what three things can you name that are in the Ark of the Covenant? Some of you would remember, mm, Ten Commandments, um, Aaron's budding rod, uh, and the jar, the Omar of manna, by the way. So, if you like that kind of crazy trivia stuff, that's what... Part of it's in the Ark of the Covenant, wherever that got off to. But here's the important thing. Jesus is the same. He's to be shared with those who cross our paths. We must not forget him. We must share Jesus with the next generation. We live in a time which is different now. We live in a time where most people are going to church just the way most of you are, via phone, via iPad, via Facebook, via television, via whatever you're watching, whatever device you're connected to. You're hearing the word of God literally around the world. For a time such as this, will we have ever thought about Facebook Live? Will we ever thought about the World Wide Web, those of us in smaller churches? 
But we've ever thought about this is how we would be doing church at this time? God has a plan. Now, there's tons of stuff I could say about manna, but that's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to go down that road. Enjoy that. Go back and read uh, Exodus 16, and you'll see it. There's more that we look at that. Heaven's bread is illustrated by the miracle, by the manna, but it's also illustrated by the master. Jesus says he is the bread. John 6, 53 through 59. You can flip back to John 6 now. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood is eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food, my blood is the true drink. For whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread. That came down for heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread. Will live forever. The Israelites ate the manna. When they ate it in the wilderness. They all died. The crowd up on the hill on the plain. Ate the bread that Jesus blessed and miraculously expounded. They eventually died. Jesus is greater than that bread given out on that mountainside, for he's the bread of life. For all who partake of him will live forever because he lives forever. His guarantee is that we will never die when we choose to follow him, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. His guarantee is one of eternal life to all who come to him. Jesus is the bread of life. John 6.35 reminds us this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger but whoever believes in me shall never thirst. My friends, Jesus is the only hope for our world. What have you done with Jesus in your life? Have you received him into your heart, into your life? Is he more than just a word to you? Is God a relationship to you or just a word that you say? Are you secure in your salvation this morning or this evening or whenever you're watching this? If something were to happen to you and you died, where would your soul spend eternity? Can you honestly say, in heaven, you can if you've eaten of the bread of life in Jesus Christ. What I mean is this, you, you are saved if you have come to Jesus as a sinner and have confessed your sins and placed your faith alone in Christ for salvation. It's not what we do, it's not how we dress, it's not where we go. It's do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know him as the bread of life in a personal way? If not, you can come to him even now, no matter where you are. He will call you as he does all. Won't you come to him? Wherever you are, he is ready to save you. Reach out and trust him. Check out on the web. Call us. You've got all those ways to connect us. If you want to know more what it means to know Christ and how to know him and how to come up to a relationship, so simple a child does it, but so profound we can't even begin to explain it to the smartest men in the world. So today, choose to follow him for he is the bread of life. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for the blessings you give to us. Thank you for our words that we hear today from your scripture. Thank you for the songs we've sung. Thank you now, Lord, for this final song we're going to hear and we're going to share together. Thank you for being able to come out even now to worship you 
with one another. Lord, we so miss that connection with one another. But we are reminded you are blessing us with connection this way right now. So until the day we get to hug one another, we get to, to celebrate being together, remind us, Lord, that we are together with you. That your church is not just a building and not just a one-spot gathering, but your church is all over the world as we meet together today to praise your name, to lift you up. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. There's revival and spreading like a wildfire in my heart. Sunday morning, hallelujah, and it's lasting all week long. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? It's the rhythm of a gospel 